Hey friends, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast. Although it's a Bible study day, I can say it, it's day 365 in our journey through the Bible. And I've been going through the YouVersion app. I'm going to try to do it over this whole day and over the next few days because I want to acknowledge those of you, at least with that little like, you know, or whatever it is, it's a heart on version. And I've already seen like four or five of you that have finished reading through the Bible this year. And you get a one-year badge on version, And so I've seen several of you that have gotten that already. So I've been trying to hit like on those. And I'm excited for you. And some of you have been doing that. And I hope you get a plan for next year. Whether if you, Maybe some of you just say, I'm going to go back through it. Just keep on a routine. Read through it again. Maybe you want to do something different. Um, but I hope that you will. And I've enjoyed the journey. Well, today we were back in the book of Exodus. We will have one more week after this one. In the first week of January, we will finish up Exodus, maybe as, I don't know if as as a book, or I really don't know where we're going to go in this last week, because there's so much. We're not going to get into the rest of the book of Exodus. We may go into when they finally get into the promised land or crossover, we'll see. But uh, we have one more week of that. And then we'll start a brand new study on the book of Hebrews. And that's going to be a very interesting uh, study. It's a have never entirely taught through the book. I think I said that on the podcast Thursday. I have taught through several. I can think of a sermon I preached on chapter 3. Uh, of course, a lot of people comment on chapter 4 when it talks about come boldly before the throne of grace. I've spoken a lot on chapter 11, chapter 12. Um, so, it, But to put it all together, it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So we got that coming up starting in a few weeks on the podcast, on the Sunday podcast. And, um, and then for the new year, I've got some different ideas. I want to... I really, this isn't the time to talk about it. I will probably talk about it Thursday. But I want to try to do something new and fun with the newsletter. So if you haven't signed up, go to pulpit-pew.com. Pulpit-pew.com. And uh, I'm going to simplify it for myself a little bit, but I think make it more practical for you. And um, so I'm looking forward to that. And you got to have to have a little bit of a sense of humor. Okay. If I have the you know boldness, not whatever. If I decide to go with the route, I'm thinking you got to have a little bit of sense of humor. I'll have to explain a little bit at the beginning, and then we'll ride that next year. So I'm looking forward to it. But let's get started. We're in uh, Exodus chapter 20 today. God has spoken. He's given the Ten Commandments. So we're just going to do an overview of the Ten Commandments. Uh, I was said at the beginning, I, I didn't really want to go much into it. I end up going a little bit more into it in a few of the points. And then someone asked a good question about the Sabbath. But outside of that, uh, we're just kind of doing an overview for this study. And so without further ado, here is this week's Doll Bible Study. All right, let's take our Bibles, go back to Exodus 20, is where we're going to be. Exodus 20, <clears throat> and as you're going there, two, last week we ended up doing a combined Sunday school, so Jacob uh, taught in the main service. So the week before that, we kind of did what I call the bookends. We talked about in Exodus 19, about the, kind of the preparation before they heard the Ten Commandments. Now, you and I, when I say Ten Commandments, you immediately know the gist of what the Ten Commandments were. you got to remember, in chapter 19, the Israelites weren't sitting there thinking about Ten Commandments. They were just sitting there. And when they were sitting there, they had, a, they had some commands of God. They were not to touch the mountain. Remember, anything that touched the mountain is going to die. They had to wash their clothes, abstain from being with their spouse, all of these things. And they had to come to this mountain, and they got to hear God speak. And then, so that was the beginning, the setup, and then I went past the Ten Commandments two weeks ago and saw what happened. Once they heard what we're going to read today, they were scared to death. 
and they realized immediately that we are a sinful people, which is what they were supposed to. They realized immediately God is a holy God, and they said, we need a mediator. They said to Moses, Moses, you're going to have to go before us. You're going to have to speak to God. We don't want to hear from God anymore. Um, so God made a phrase in verse 22, before we go back and hear what he said, I like the very end of this. He says, ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. So when God talks to Israel from heaven, he gave these 10 commandments. So we're going to read them in just a second, but I want to give you that Ted Turner uh, quote. This was probably years ago. I hear he's not doing too well right now, but uh, here's what Ted Turner said. He said, he declared that the Ten Commandments are obsolete. He said, quote, we're living in outdated rules. The rules we're living under are the Ten Commandments, and I bet nobody here even pays much attention to them because they're too old. When Moses went up to the mountain, there were no nuclear weapons. There was no poverty. Today, the Ten Commandments wouldn't go over. Nobody around likes to be commanded. Commandments are out. That was his thoughts about the Ten Commandments. Well, as we go through these, I'm not going to, if I were to take even two minutes on Ten Commandments, that's 20 minutes right there and we're already done. And that's not the, the, the idea of what we're going for today, but I do want to read through them because God's talking from heaven and he's given these Ten Commandments. And I want you to think, we'll pause long enough on them to say, is this one really obsolete? Is this one not effective? Do we see this in our society today? Because I think every single one of these we are seeing in our society today. They're still relevant today. So let's just go. Verse, uh, so everybody's at the mountainside. They're going to hear from God. They don't know the Ten Commandments. So put yourself in that scene. You're just sitting there with your family thinking, what's about to happen? And verse, verse 1 of chapter 20 says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. We've heard that repeated many times by Moses. Remember you came out of Egypt. Remember that. Then he starts in verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Think about that. It's not a terminology we use today. We don't usually talk about having other gods. But when we think about what a god does, it replaces the true god. Do we ever have things in our lives that replace the true god? We wouldn't call them gods, but they replace God. And I think we do. A lot of people I've uh, talked about before many times, in high school, sports was my god. I still came and checked in on church, and I had to. I didn't have an option. But, I mean, I did all the things I was supposed to. But, man, all I cared, I was worshiping sports. That was my goal, um, was all of that. So we can have those type of gods. Some people have gods of television now. They put that before God and uh, gods of entertainment, whatever it may be. And so we do put things before God. Here they actually had gods, false gods, Moloch and all of them. But we still see that pre prevalent today. I don't think it's obsolete. We have a problem with putting things before God. Then he goes on, verse 4, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, nor any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on earth beneath, or that is the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I am the Lord, for I the Lord God am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children until the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So not making any graven image. And there's 
Back then, it was a big deal, making the idols and, and things like that. Putting They were actually had something that replaced God, these groves that they had. And as you get into Israel's history, they, they were to tear down those groves and tear down these. The kings, when you study the kings later on, hey, tear those down. The kings that tore down the groves and tore down those idols, those were the kings that really saw some revival take place. Uh, but those that didn't were some problems for Israel. But it was a commandment that was given. He said in verse 7, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Probably this week everybody's heard somebody say, Oh my, and then they say God's name. I hear Christians do it. But right here, we're not to take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And then he says, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. We need to be mindful of our words and how flippantly we can use God's name. We gotta be careful. Even sometimes, I think I read a psalm. I don't remember where I was. I was teaching it, or maybe it was on the podcast or something. I read a psalm, and the beginning of that psalm says, "Oh my God!" And then he continues in that psalm. And my sister sent me a text. Said, "Did you feel like you just took God's name in vain or something when you?" Read? I don't remember how she worded it, but it was like, "Yeah, it feels weird saying that." I'm not, I'd have got, I'd have got my mouth slapped if I said that as a kid in my home. But it, we do have to be mindful of that when we we're, we're not to use God's name just randomly like that uh, we need to be respectful now i've heard it to extremes i heard one guy preach a message i told you i wouldn't go even 10 seconds on these or two minutes but i heard one guy preach a message and if you say if you say like god's name too many times in a prayer or lord too many times in a prayer he was saying you were taking god's name in vain you were just using it as a filler i was like man that's a strong comment i don't know that i would go there uh, because someone, and I, they listen to podcasts, so I won't say, but they say God's name many times in a prayer. I don't know that I would go that strong, because I think they're in a moment of trying to be reverent, and, but it's, it's the lack of reverence that we have here. So be mindful of that. Uh, but he says, God will not hold him guiltless, um, that take his name in vain. And he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Sabbath day today is not Sunday. It's the Lord's day is Sunday. Um, so, that, I mean, I could spend... The whole lesson on all of these, so I don't want to get bogged down on this. But the idea here, the principle for us today is we need we need to rest. We do need time to rest. We're not to work ourselves to death. We need time to rest. Even God, as He created this earth and He set us an example of rest on the seventh day, He rested. And so on the so or excuse me, yes. So we need to we need to spend time and find time to rest. And we need to just kind of power down sometimes. And rest, and, and in that rest, focus on God and who He is. But He told them to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You're going to see that come up in the Old Testament. He says, Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy maidservant, or thy ma- uh, maidservant, nor the cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested in the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Again, internally right now I'm having so much problem because I'm like, oh, I want to explain all of these things, and it's not the, the goal of this. You can go to extremes on these. I know some people that on, they think Sunday is the Sabbath, and they won't even go to the grocery store. They won't uh, go out to eat. They won't do anything on because uh, it's the Sabbath day. Uh, Sunday's not the Sabbath day. Sunday's the Lord's day. You ask, any, ask your pastor today if today's a day of rest. He's going to say, no, not for him. It's not a day of rest. The Saturday is the Sabbath. 
Uh, Saturday in, the, in that culture was the Sabbath. Today we don't have a Sabbath. Sabbath. Our Sabbath is Jesus Christ. He is our rest. Jesus, so now we're going to go down the road a minute. Uh, Jesus fulfilled this. He is our rest. So the principle, some believe that every one of the Ten Commandments, except for this one, is reiterated in the New Testament. Jesus did talk about the Sabbath in the New Testament, though, so shows some authentication. But Jesus is our rest. He became our rest for us. So remember in Matthew, says, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. So Jesus is our rest. So we don't look at it as like Saturday being our Sabbath, and we need to take that time to not do anything. No, we need to find rest in Jesus Christ. But as far as a principle, we can take the principle and say, Jesus, God himself rested. It's a good thing to take a day of rest. When I was pastoring, it was a, it was a Tuesday for me. Mondays were busy. Sunday's extremely busy. Tuesday was a day of rest for me. doesn't mean I didn't do anything. It just meant I kind of power down a little bit and rest. And so I think... Um, you, you need to find time to rest, but there's not a command that you have to honor a Sabbath now. Jesus is our Sabbath. And it, there's some, we'll get into that a little bit, I think, when we get into Hebrews next year. We're going to talk about that some. It's a good question. Um, so, but we need to find rest. Uh, and so then the next one, honor thy father and thy mother. That thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth. Do we see a lack of honor of parents today? We see it on both ends, don't we? My wife works in the assisted living. I, I would say probably, I won't put her in the... She probably sees some lack of honor to parents on the when they're going out of this life. As much as we see it from children today. Maybe not as much, but like you see it from children today. They don't honor their parents all the time. But it can happen on the later end of your life as well. People don't come and spend time with their parents who've raised them and everything. And now they're just in an assisted living facility all by themselves. Nobody cares. Nobody comes. It's all about when is so-and-so going to die so I can get my money and get my inheritance. It's sad to see some of the stories that maybe she would see more than, than us that are in there. But it can a lack of honor can happen um, on both ends, and it can happen during during life as well. Honor your fa- honor your parents, and um, there's some. Uh, well, no, I don't want to go down that road right now. But uh, so honor your parents, even even um, right now. I have, I'm to have honor from my dad and my, my mom. Do you think my dad and my mom, I and I, or my mom and I, agree on everything? I'm not talking doctrinally here and everything. Do we agree on every single thing? No, but I'm to honor them. And um, so um, God's given me great parents, so we probably agree on most things. I don't know if he cheers as hard for some of the teams as I do, maybe. But, uh, but there needs to be the honor for our fam- parents. All right, they said, thou shalt not kill. I think that's kind of a problem nowadays. We've seen thou shalt not commit adultery. That's everywhere. Every show you watch, it's all over our society. People try to normalize that like it's not a big deal right now. It's still... A horrible sin if you want to study it out in the Bible. Thou shalt not steal. Happens all the time. We're seeing looting going on right now with some of those businesses out west and people just thinking, well, I can just take whatever I want. I don't know if it's still going on, but it was. Stealing going on all the time. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor so we're not to lie. I mean, do we see lying take place? <laughs> we are in election year. I mean, so yeah. I mean, we see it everywhere. Um, and then thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Do we see people that covet things? Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife. That goes back to adultery. Maid, manservant, maidservant, his ox, his ass, or anything that is thy neighbor. So we're not to covet. Do we see people coveting things today? Yes, we always have to have this. i got to have what my neighbor has. So Ted Turner said these things are obsolete. I mean, it's just, nah, 
we need a new set. I don't think we need a new set. I think we just need to get back to doing what this says. I mean, if, if we had a society, and you think about what Jesus said in the New Testament. I wanted to get to this at some point. I'll just say it now. Jesus said all of this right here, and really, I think he's talking about all 600 and some laws, but all of this can be fulfilled in two things. If you love God and love your neighbor. Love your neighbor and love God. Those are two things. And you think about these Ten Commandments. If I love God, I'm not going to... I'm not going to put any other gods before him. I'm not going to make any graven image. I'm going to rest in Christ. And, and, and so I'm, going to, I'm not going to take his name in vain. So those first commandments, if I love God, I'm going to, honor, I'm going to fulfill all that. And then all those other commandments about, about honoring your parents and not killing, not committing adultery, not stealing. If I love others, my neighbor, I'm not going to do those things. If I love my neighbor, I'm not going to want to kill him. I'm not going to want to take his wife. I'm not going to do this. So, so really, Jesus summed it all up. He says, if you can just love your neighbor and love God, you're going to keep all of the law. It's pretty simple. But it's simple to say, a lot of times harder to live out. But those Ten Commandments, to take us back to the scene for a second, not the overview, but the scene. Here's those families, and they're just sitting there. And all of a sudden, they hear this. They not heard. You guys have heard this. We've seen it. On, I think we have it up right in front of our church. We've heard it. We've seen it. This is their first time, and immediately their heart is convicted because they're looking at this, saying, "Whoa, I'm guilty." And they're hearing God and saying, "Wow, He is a holy God. He's a perfect God. I am a sinful man." And so the law was doing what was which was one of the reasons of the law. One of the reasons of the law was to reveal God's holiness, as we talked a little bit about last time, and then to reveal man's sinfulness. And it was doing it. They were scared to death. The law was not to bring Israel into a covenant relationship with God. We would say, bring salvation. Israel was already in a covenant relationship with God. Genesis 15, with Abraham, they were in a covenant relationship with God. And then with Isaac, and then with Jacob, he re, he's giving this all of these covenant he's renewing these covenant and later with david but all they were already in a covenant relationship with god so the law is not given for you and i today to be saved it's given to reveal the need of salvation so when people try to live up to the law and say and they think well i'll do these things to be saved you can't do them and that's not the point of it the point of it is to show our need for a mediator, which is exactly what happened in the verses we read two weeks ago, because they said, hey, Moses, you speak to us, not God. We, we need somebody to go between, between us and God. So why was the law given, I've already said a few, to reveal, and I'm going to give you some notes here, and I, I, there's a lot of verses I should go to, and I may try to hit a few of them, but to reveal God's glory and holiness, to reveal our sinfulness, he was uh, giving Israel a standard to live by. In Deuteronomy 4.1 talks about this, but he was giving Israel, says, hey, here's a path to follow. Here's a standard to live by. And by when I say a standard to live by, it doesn't mean that if we, and we should live by these standards. And it doesn't mean that if we live by these standards, we're getting ourselves to heaven. It just means when I live by this standard, I do glorify God. Remember the Bible said in the New Testament, Jesus said in his, in his sermon on the Mount, he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So if people looked at our lives and we were honoring God with our tongue, we were faithful to our spouse, we were not stealing, we were, whether it be at work or whether it be with our time, whether it be physically stealing, but we did not. We lived and worked and paid our bills and we were, we're not lying to people, we're being honest, we're not coveting things. Doesn't that glorify God? 
So it's a way he was, he was giving them a standard to live by that's going to bring himself glory. So yes, it revealed his holiness. Yes, it revealed our sinfulness, but it was a standard of godly living to live by. It's not a standard to try to follow to get to heaven. And it was, pre- it was preparing Israel for the coming of Christ. There was a lot of things it was doing. But the Bible in the New Testament, it, it, uses, it, it uses some metaphors. It calls the law a mirror in James. In, over in James chapter 1, let me read it. I'm not going to go to all of these, but I like James 1, so I'm going to flip there real quick, and I'll read you this. But in James 1, in verse 22, it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any been, anyone be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, a glass would be like a mirror, he beholdeth himself, and goeth away, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso is looking into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So he uses that law of liberty, which we would talk about the word of God. But it's the idea of, it's like a mirror. When we look into the law, boy, we see sinfulness. I read through it quick. But as I read through some of those, did you find any of those 10 that you've done in your life? Well, I'd say probably. One of the ways, one time uh, when I was a youth pastor, we had a Monday night basketball ministry. And so we would open it up to the public. I, to get, one of the ways to kind of get it going is I went to the public school and um, I lived in Charlotte, Charlotte, they, up there they talk proper, so Charlotte, uh, Michigan. And when I was up there, I went to the Charlotte High School and found the basketball team. I'd ask some of our teenagers, who's the basketball team? Because I was like 23, 24, I was still in shape and, and uh, playing a lot of basketball. And I'd say, hey, guys, come out to our church on Monday. I'll challenge you to play in basketball. Listen, and I would just kind of, you know, get after them. And they'd come out and we'd play. And then halfway through, we'd share a message of the gospel. And we did that for as long as I was there, eight years. And we end up sometimes having 30 guys coming out and having to play, you know, you're five on five in a small gym, play a game, sit three sometimes. It was crazy. But they would come out build some wonderful relationships. That was one of the saddest things to leave some of those relationships with those guys. And some never came to church. Some made professions. But one of the times I did a little series with them and I showed them some videos and we just went through the Ten Commandments. And I just, I, and there was a, there's an evangelism way to do this, but I had them go through the Ten Commandments. And then the, the purpose was, each week I wanted to see these guys to be like, oh, man, I'm guilty of that. And I'm guilty of that. And I wanted them to come to the moment, and many did, like these people where they said, wow, I don't live up to that Ten Commandments. I fall short. And then I would, on the other side of it, say, you know what? We're never going to. You're never going to live up to that. We need someone who has. Who, and, and we'd lead to talking about Jesus Christ. But that's what one of the purposes is. That it's like a mirror that when you look into it, you see, man, I'm guilty. Remember, Galatians talks about it being a schoolmaster, like a school teacher, and, and it points us to Jesus. The, 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 the law, when we look at it all, it's, it's leading to a failure on our part, and then it points us to Jesus Christ. It's, it's talked about as a shadow of Jesus to come, kind of what I was talking to you about. The law, like that one about the Sabbath, was a shadow that Jesus fulfilled. He fulfilled all of this law. But so... Then the law was unable to accomplish some things, which we've kind of already, some of all this is blended together, but as I've just talked, but the law was unable to do some things. It's great, and it's, it's a beautiful thing to study, but it's unable to make you perfect. It's unable to justify you. It can reveal, but it can't justify. 
mean, that's a problem we run into. And I can, people may say, yeah, I'm a sinner, but they don't know where to go to get the justification. It reveals, it, it can't make us perfect, it can't justify us, it can't give us righteousness, it can't give us peace, and it can't give us life. That's why Jesus Christ is so amazing. Because Jesus fulfilled the law, he died, he was buried, he rose again. He can make us perfect. He can justify us. He can give righteousness. He can bring peace. Hebrews 9, we're going to get into that when we study Hebrews next year. He can give life. Jesus is the fulfillment of this. So just as all the, all the way back, I mean, you, when you're reading the Old Testament, you're reading through Genesis 3 and the sin of Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3.15, when, when, when it talks about the first kind of uh, verse of, uh, I don't remember the technical college term of it, but the first verse that shows, talking a little bit, alluding to Jesus Christ, so he's going to crush the head of Satan. That from all the way from there, even through here, these Ten Commandments, everything in the Old Testament is just pointing ahead to a coming of Jesus. It's all pointing to it. And that's why when we studied Mary recently and, and when she gave birth to Jesus, all those women were waiting, like maybe I would give birth to the Messiah. Every, everyone was waiting for the Messiah to come. The prophets talked about the coming of the Messiah. Everything was pointing to someone who would come to fulfill the law. And Jesus did come. And as I'm speaking to the choir here, but he lived a sinless, perfect life in, in obedience to this law. He's the only one that could live in perfection when when you stand up to this law that we've been looking at and then he died for our sins he was buried and rose again so jesus was the fulfillment of that law galatians 4 talks about that and um and as i said earlier a little bit earlier but jesus gave us really the two basic commandments because remember when that lawyer came up to him and he said what's the greatest of all these commandments and if we went around the room we could probably give what's the greatest commandment that we've seen committed what have we seen in our lives? No one would want to do that, like volunteer that information. Like, yeah, I really struggle with. No one would want to do that. But we could talk about that. But Jesus, when he was asked, he said, what's the greatest of the commandments? And this Pharisee knew that that branched out to much more. I don't remember if it's 600 and some. I don't remember the exact number of the laws that were given after this. So what's the greatest? And that's when Jesus said, as I've already mentioned, just love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. And I think as we... Look at this today. If, if, as we leave into the 2024 and we go into the next year, our country's not getting any better. Right? It's, we're, not going, we're not on a path, and that's not my eschatology view, that we're on a path of getting better. I think we're on a path of getting worse. And, but I don't, say that with a neg, I don't want to say that with a negative mindset like we're getting worse, there's no hope. I do believe there can be hope. I do believe that there can be revival. And I think it starts with the church. I think when we as a church get back to living out the Bible, and it starts with what Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor. And if I love God and I love my neighbor, I'm going to want to try to be a blessing to the person I work with, to my family member. They need the gospel. I want to give them the gospel. If they, if they, if they need help, I want to help them. So love God and love your neighbor. Yes, we, it's good to know these Ten Commandments. I think when we stand up from years ago, there was that fight about the Ten Commandments in the courthouse and schools. I, I'm all about for uh, keeping them there. There's nothing wrong with that because they are to point us to Jesus. They're to reveal sin and reveal the holiness of God. But ultimately, we as Christians, what we need to focus on, I need to love God because then I'm going to keep those first four. And i got to love my neighbor because then I'm going to keep those last six. I don't have to worry about fulfilling in this law.
and we can walk in the Spirit in that point and fulfill what we want to do, what God wants us to do. And so I know that's not a, it would take a whole nother series to break down every one of these and get into multiple details and show where they parallel in the New Testament. And that's maybe a study for another time. But for now, what I wanted us to see is those people stood there by that mountainside and they heard the Ten Commandments for the very first time and their heart was overwhelmed. And I hope that when we look at that, it does cause us to kind of look in a little bit. Is there anything you're coveting? Has there been, is there anything, maybe when we think of stealing, you're like, oh, I don't steal anything. Well, do we steal our time at work? There's a lot of ways that we can steal. And so I just hope that we'll kind of look at those as we went over them quick and just examine our hearts and say, God, is there anything between me and you? Because that's what it should point out. God, is there any sinfulness between me and you? Because I want to get that right going into the new year. And I want to love you with all my heart. And I want to love my neighbor as I can so that I can best serve God. All right, let's pray.